Welcome to Passion Life Church. This morning, I want to bring to you a word that I feel like God has put on my heart, and I've entitled it, Seeing the Unseen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you are believing uh, for God to move maybe in a specific area of your life? Let me see. There's maybe a specific area of your life. You would say that there's some promises that you haven't seen the fulfillment yet or the fruition come to. To, uh, to reality yet. Maybe it's a dream that you have that uh, hasn't come true yet. How many of you know God can speak to us through visions and dreams? I hope you still have a dream. Maybe you're uh, single and you're ready to mingle and you are believing God for that spouse. You want to get married or maybe you're believing for the full manifestation of your healing, to walk in the power of, of, of God, or maybe it's just it's provision for your finances. But today, there's some areas of your life that you haven't seen the manifestation. But can I encourage you today, just because you haven't seen it and it hasn't been visible, doesn't mean it's not available. Come on, somebody. It just means that we simply haven't seen it. So there are areas of our lives that we actually, we need vision because we need to see the unseen. And I'll tell you what, I believe God wants us to have vision in our life, not just mere sight, but vision. But we have to understand how God works. And I believe that God is going to do an incredible thing today. If you'll just really press into his presence, Matthew chapter nine, verse 27, it says this, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him saying out, crying out, saying, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, somebody say into the house. And when he came into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I can do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. When he touched their eyes saying, when he, when he, and then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be done. And their eyes were open and Jesus sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him all over the country. You know, when Jesus walked on the earth, one of the miracles that he did often was he healed blind people. He, he gave them sight. He brought sight to people who couldn't see. And as you're listening to this today, you're thinking about, well, I came to church and I'm not blind. I mean, seriously, Phil, like, how does this relate to me? Well, I think there's a lot of people who have physical sight, but when it comes to having godly vision, right, they can't see beyond their physical struggle. So we need vision more than we know. Can I hear a good amen today? I need to be able to see beyond what is seen. I need to be able to see what God sees, right? And so what can happen is when we only function by physical sight, we look at the circumstances and that's what we see. So we get discouraged because we're not seeing what God sees. The Bible says that these two men saw Jesus passing by. And they cried out. This word in the Greek language actually denotes like an animalistic cry, like a, a woman that is giving birth, just like ah, a, a crying out to Jesus. 
I love this because they were passionate about Jesus. They didn't want to let him just pass by. I think a lot of people think this way. They think, well, if Jesus is going to do the miracle, he'll just do it. No, the Bible says that he was going to walk right by. But because they cried out, they're going to initiate a miracle. So these guys are passionate about Jesus. Let me say it this way. When they cried out, here's what they did. They invited Jesus into their situation. They invited him to work. Now, notice this. Jesus didn't stop. What happened was he kept moving and he went into the house. One commentator said the reason why Jesus did this, and it does make sense in the context of the scripture, is that he didn't want to start his public ministry yet because he told them. Remember, after he healed them, he said, listen, go, don't go tell anybody. And guess what they did? They told everybody. But how many of you know when you receive your sight and you receive that miracle, you want to testify of what God has done? And so, they, but notice he, he, he didn't stop. And I'm always amazed how people's faith always moved Jesus. He would be moving in one direction, and then a person who had faith would cause him to move in a different direction. Do you remember the wedding at Cana? He was there with his mother, and he, was, he turned the water into wine. But Mary turns to Jesus and said, you, you need to help these people. And he says, my time has not come yet. And yet Mary tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And it's interesting because even though he said it was before his time, he still honored his mother's faith and he turned the water into wine. See, some of us would just sit back and go, okay, right? But no, that's not what they did. Think about Jesus going to Jairus's house. He was going to Jairus's house because he's, his daughter was sick. On the way to do a miracle from, for somebody else, a woman stole a miracle. Because as he was going to Jairus' house, there was a woman with the issue of blood who broke through the crowd. And what she did was she touched the hem of his garment. On the way to heal another uh, young lady, a woman touched him and stopped him because of her faith, where he actually stopped and said, who touched me? She, her faith moved Jesus and you know what happened when, he, when, when she touched the hem of his garment? She was totally healed immediately. Twelve years, the Bible says, that she had an issue of blood, and immediately it was gone. Come on, how many of you would say that he is more than able? So Jesus is speaking, and he goes into someone's house, and he's preaching there. Another example, he's teaching, guess what? There was four men who brought their paralytic friend. And right while he was preaching, some would say this is very disrespectful, but actually they broke through the ceiling and guess what happened? Jesus said he saw their faith. And while in the middle of his sermon, somebody broke through and said, I need a breakthrough. And because of their faith, he said they saw their faith. He told that man, your sins are forgiven you. Get up and walk. And right in the middle of Jesus's sermon was a miracle because someone chose to move God by their faith. Can I hear a good amen today? Faith moves God. You know, as we talk about seeing the unseen, this is exactly what happened with these blind men. They received their sight. It's, it's pretty amazing to me because they were able to see what they couldn't see. But how did it happen? And I think that if we look at these men having a miracle in their life, we can learn a lot from two blind men. They had faith that honored Jesus. And I want you to notice, here's what they did. Here's number one. They had a faith that believes when it doesn't see. 
Jesus asked them while they were blind, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe that I can do this? Listen, before they could see, they had to believe. All right, let's preach a little bit. Before they could feel, they had to believe. See, oftentimes we want to see and then believe. And now, especially in today's culture, we want to feel it before we believe it. That's not faith. Faith is, I believe, then therefore I will see. I believe, then therefore I will feel. But we have a lot of people, especially today, they're always moved by emotion, always moved by their feeling, so they never step into faith. Are you here this morning? Did I show up to the right church this morning? And so they have to believe before they see. Check this out. This is interesting to me. As I was thinking about this, Jesus is talking to them and they are in the dark. Hear me. They had to believe in the dark. They had to believe while they were blind. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, it says now faith is. Everybody say now. Why? Because faith starts when things are dark. Faith starts when you can't see anything. It has to start right now in the middle of the situation. It has to start right now. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Watch this. Before they saw the results, they had to say, yes, Lord, in the dark. I wonder what you're in the dark about. I wonder what you're believing for. I wonder what you haven't seen yet. But yet, are you willing to believe and say, yes, Lord, while you feel like you're still in the dark? And that's what they said. They said, yes, Lord. Yes. See, I want to ask you today, will you believe? Can you believe right now in the middle of the situation? Whatever the challenge is, can you believe if there's a relational challenge, a physical challenge, a financial challenge? Do you believe that God is able? Do you know that 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says this, verse 7 says this, excuse me. It says we live, one translation says, we walk by faith, not by sight. They were blind, but they started to walk by faith. They couldn't see, but yet that didn't stop their steps. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 18, listen to the scripture. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the Bible tells me that there is a world that I have not seen yet, but yet I'm supposed to focus my eyes on that. In other words, I may be believing for healing, but just because I don't see the healing doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It actually means I'm supposed to focus more on what God said about healing than the way that I feel or what I see. Man, that's really powerful. Do you believe that all things are possible with God, even though it looks impossible? Are you still able to believe? Because a lot of people, like Thomas, unless they see, then they will believe. But Jesus said, even back then, blessed are those that do not see, but yet still believe. Why? Because that's faith. Can I hear a good amen? That is faith, is when you believe. And so often we say a good churchy, yeah, Pastor Phil, I believe. But our actions and our words betray us. Their faith inspired them 
to actually cry out and follow Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in the Amplified Classic. I've been reading this. I really like this translation. It says, now faith, persuasion. Somebody say persuasion. Is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. There is a life. I know this is going to blow your mind. There is a life beyond your senses. But because we live in the five senses, we are so used to living in that realm that some of us never press in by faith to the spirit realm. You know, I can pull up to my house, right, on a Saturday morning if I go out and then I come back, and as soon as I open the door to my truck, I have a smell that I smell, and I can smell it. Because I live in my five senses, I know that my wife is making bacon. I bring home the bacon, I bring home the bacon, and she cooks it. Amen. You give more in the offering, you get better jokes. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I like to do that because the people that have problems with money, they go, mm, that's all right. Go, mm. It's a joke. I don't talk about money. Oh, be quiet. Talk about money. Everywhere you go is about money. You go to Target. They want your money. And you don't go, hmm, Target. Went through Starbucks. Some of you spent $30, and none of you not even thought about it, right, that they want your money. But a pastor tells a joke about money. People are like, mm, like, just relax. Stop being so constipated. Go in the throne room and relieve yourself, and you'll be fine. I can pull up and smell bacon. I know what bacon smells like, and I'm not even in the room. Why? Because I'm so keen with my physical senses, but see, sometimes we can be so keen with our physical senses that we never step into the spiritual reality that God has for us because we believe that that is actually the reality. But in truth, the Bible says that what I'm supposed to do, faith acts as if the unseen is more of a fact than what I see with my senses. And in our society, this is tough because I tell you why. Today, here's the belief. I am what I feel. If I feel like a dinosaur, I'm a dinosaur. And you better call me a dinosaur, buddy. Anybody here this morning? Because we live by what we feel. And that's why some of us never step into faith. And I understand because you feel it and it feels real. But the truth is, is that our believing has to be more of a reality than what we see. And oftentimes, I love what Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, the regular translation, the King James says this, or the New King James. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what I want to do today. I want to help you see things that you haven't seen before. But look, it says first, faith is substance. Everybody say substance. That word means in the Greek, literally to stand under and to support. So faith is the foundation that gives us the confidence that we stand on. So true faith is actually confident in God's word despite what we see. Do you know how important is faith? Listen to what Jesus told these blind men when they, saw that, when they, when they received their sight. He said, be it according to your faith. Look at me this morning. He didn't say, be it according to your income. He didn't say, be it according to what you wear, be it according to other people's opinions. He said, be it according to your faith. 
They got their miracle because they had faith in Jesus. But faith is that foundation. Second, it says this, faith is the evidence, the proof of conviction. You know, I was thinking about how the Bible says heaven and earth can pass away, but not one word will pass away from the Lord. So when you think about that, even that scripture, that means you're going to see things pass away. And many of us in that moment would be shocked, but just because we see things pass away, it actually validates exactly what the word says, that heaven and earth can pass away, but his word will remain. So if you have his word in your heart, the Bible says, and you do it, you are building your life on an unshakable foundation. So even if heaven and earth are passing away, you will stay immovable and unshakable. It says faith is the evidence. It means the proof or conviction The inward conviction enables the believer to believe things not yet seen, that God performs what he has promised. So what happens is a lot of people don't step into faith, not only because they're constantly operating in their feelings, but some of people never move from hope to faith. Hope is that expectation, and the Bible says it's part of faith. But you know what? You have to go from hope and turn that into faith. See, faith turns hope into action. Hope is a desire, but faith is a demonstration. Hope says it's coming. Faith says I have it now, even though I don't see it. Hope is future, but faith is it starts now. Hope says I'm praying that my healing comes. Faith says healing is mine in Jesus' name. You know, I could have hoped for years that my wife would marry me. But faith says, I'm gonna ask her out. Faith says, I gotta go up to that beautiful face and say, hey. Right? Give her a good Christian pickup line. Nice Bible. I like big Bibles and I cannot lie. You can hope all day. I hope that she sees me. Hope that, and I can have dreams of us being married and never have the faith to step up and say, baby, will you marry me? That's faith. And now 16 years later, amen, we're living in the miracle. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I didn't just stay in hope. But a lot of people have that when they're believing for a miracle. I hope God does it. I hope, listen, watch, look at these blind people. Look at these two blind men. I hope Jesus sees me. I just hope that he hears us. He knows all things, and they could have stayed quiet. But their faith, what did it do? They began to, the Bible says, they began to yell out and cry out. I think that that's amazing because there was a conviction in their cry. And so notice what these men did. Number two, their profession came from their conviction. In other words, they began to cry out because in their heart there was a belief that things could change. Do you believe that things can change? Do you believe that God can take the impossible and make them possible? But we have to understand something. Where does our believing come from? You know, the Bible says that your heart is the believing manufacturer. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. For with the heart, everybody say the heart. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, watch, and believe in your what? Heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So 
many of our heroes of the faith, they said things because they had a conviction and they believed it. They had a profession that came from their mouth, but the conviction was in their heart. I was thinking about people who cried out to God and actually spoke to God and it changed the situation. Do you remember Jacob in the Old Testament? His name in the Hebrew means heel grabber because when he was born, he was literally, he was literally born grabbed, grabbing onto his brother Esau's leg. He was the heel grabber, subplanner, deceiver. But the Bible says he had an encounter with God. It says the angel of the Lord, right? But the reality of it is he wrestled with God. And this is, listen to this profession that he said to God, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's powerful. That's powerful. And here's the Phil Valdez translation. God was like, I'm tired of wrestling. All right. And he touched his hip to the point that Jacob walked different after his encounter with God. Not only did he walk different, but God changed his name from Jacob, right? The heel grabber to Israel, which means a man who prevails with God. How did he prevail with God? Because he had a a confession that came from a conviction. I will not go until you bless me, God. And you don't see this nowadays. You don't see that type of fervency where I'm going to rip the roof off and thus I get my miracle. I'm not leaving here until God does something. It's pretty amazing. People in the Old Testament understood this. Remember Abraham? God was going to destroy Adam. God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why I don't, I don't get into this attitude that people say, well, if God's going to do what he's going to do, just let him do what he's going to do. Do you know that Abraham talked with God? And listen to Abraham. Again, here comes a profession from a conviction. God, Abraham told God, God, if you find 50 righteous people, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah? What did God say? Did God say, Abraham, how can you talk to me like that? Is that what he said? What did he say? He says, if you find, he says, yes, if you find 50 righteous people, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. That talks to us about the power of what we say to God. How many of you know God wants us to talk to him and say his promises back to him, whether we feel it or we see it or not? But you have to have a conviction in your confession. See, a lot of people say that. Oh, I feel, yeah, I, I, I believe that. And the Bible talks about that. Anyone can just say, yeah, I believe. I call it lip service. That's what the Bible says. Matthew 15, 8, listen, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, there's no conviction in what they say. Man, I want to have conviction in my confession. I want to believe what I say. You know what I do sometimes? I just say it so I will believe it. I say it. I said, I'm in Jesus name, whether I feel it or I don't feel it, I just begin to say it. And I begin to say it with passion, whether I feel it in my heart. But you know what? After you start confessing it, there will be a conviction that will come in your heart. And that's what these men did. Man, they cried out. These men, here's number three. They had a faith, a faith that persisted when nothing changes. Ooh, this is good. They cried out to Jesus and Jesus kept walking. Jesus kept walking. Many people right here would have taken that as this is not God's will for my healing. But you know what they did? The Bible says they followed Jesus into the house. Now, if the commentators are correct, 
Jesus went into the house. Why did he go into the house? Because he didn't want to start his public ministry. Listen, these two blind men didn't care. They were going to move when Jesus moved. No matter what he did, they were going to find him. They refused to be refused, and they wouldn't quit on their miracle. And it's interesting because when Jesus does talk to them, what does he say? Do you believe that I can do this? And they said yes, and their eyes were open. Why? Because they didn't quit on their miracle. These guys were like, listen, he's either going to heal us or we're going to get kicked out of this house, but we ain't leaving until something happens. Can I hear a better amen than that? And so many people quit on their miracle. So many people, just because it doesn't happen in the moment that they, it, 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 that they think it should happen, they, they quit. Now I'm going to tell you, we've been totally messed up. And I'm going to tell you who's messed us up. Amazon messed us up. Do you know that on Thursday at eight o'clock in the morning, I ordered something and it says, you know how it gives you the countdown, right? If you order in the next five minutes, this package will be on your door tonight between eight and 9 p.m. Woo! I said, thank you, Jesus. And it was counting down and I'm doing the thing, looking at the counting. Hit it. Guess what? About 8.30, the package arrived. And so sometimes if that doesn't happen with the things of the Lord, then we get discouraged. But can I just tell you, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that even when we pray, listen, that we are to believe that we receive when we pray. Watch. So when do I believe? Do I believe when the prayer, I see the prayer? happen or do I believe exactly when I pray? Faith says right now when I pray, I receive it right now, whether I, whether I feel it or see it or not. That's faith. But guess what? If you believe, you will see. But seeing doesn't come first. Believing comes first. And they had a faith that persists when nothing changes. I love when Jacob told God that. I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to stop believing. You know, that's our policy here at Passion Life Church. When people are sick or we're going to believe till the end. We're going to keep believing and keep believing. I love what Rex Crane said in his promo video. He says, why are we putting our theology in tragedy? Why are we always saying, well, this person or that person Notice what Jesus said to the blind man. He didn't say, be it to, right, the woman with the issue of blood. Remember her faith? He said, be it unto your faith. Listen, Pastor Phil, you don't understand my Aunt Betty. I, she loved the Lord, and, you know, she died. I know, but you aren't Aunt Betty. You are you, and be it according to your faith. Can I hear a good amen today? That's why this is so important. Listen, this is so important, because I want to help you see the unseen. This is why these two blind men understood this, and we have to understand this. They understood this, number four. Their vision was found in Jesus. Let me say it this way. What you need is found in him, nobody else. Nobody else. And can I ask you, what are you looking for today? Where, where is your focus today? Listen, this is their mentality, and this should be our mentality. Watch. There is no sight without Jesus. I don't know what you're believing for right now. 
finances, let's say it this way, there is no provision without Jesus. Oh yeah, I can work myself into oblivion like many people do because they don't understand this point that everything comes from him and is in him. That's where, that's why they pursued him. And they said, if we don't pursue him, our sight is in him. Our vision is in him. By church family, life is in him. Isn't it amazing that we're learning how to see from two blind men? But they got their vision. They got it. And this is how important vision is. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, people perish. Now, this word vision in the Hebrew actually is translated. It's really revelation. Where there is no revelation, people perish. It actually means this, a divine communication. Can I ask you a question? Do you have a divine communication on the situation that you're in? Do you have a revelation of what God wants to do in the, in, the, in the situation that you're in? Because revelation, vision is a revelation. And let me just break this down. It's seeing the way that God sees. And God, watch, God can see what you can't see. That's why he tells you to do certain things. And I love this because he says without a vision, people perish. So is God going to give you what you need? Does God want you to perish? Okay, I got four no's. Everybody else is like, I don't know. I took a piece of bread off of the, the table. He may strike me down for stealing. No, that's free. You're, you're good. Does God want you to perish? No. Simple. If God wanted you to perish, he would have never sent Jesus. He'd be like, you all go to hell. Right? So if he doesn't want us to perish, what is he going to do? He's going to give us the vision that we need so we don't perish. Listen, one translation, it's the Amplified, says this, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation of God and his word, people perish. Listen, revelation changes how you view everything. I'm so thankful I had people in my life, because Listen, I know you look at me as the pastor and I'm behind this pulpit and you think that, man, I'm just like Snow White and all this stuff. I'm telling you, there was a time where I acted like the devil. And I'm so thankful that I had people in my life that have a revelation of who God wanted me to be. And they spoke that over my life and they treated me in that manner. They didn't just treat me as they saw me. This is why parenting is so important. Because if you just look at your kids and you just say what you see, that's, that's what they're going to be. But if you can have a revelation, that's what I pray for all the time with my son. Lord, let me have a revelation. Who is this man going to be? Who is this young man going to be? How are you going to use this young man? Right? Because honestly, simple illustration, but if you knew your child was going to be the president of the United States, you would probably do some things different. Can I hear a good amen today? Right? But thank God that we don't just see things as they are. That's not what revelation does. Revelation sees things as God sees them. And it makes a total difference. Think about it. Someone could walk up to the little baby and go, oh, you're such a cute little baby. But Mary and Joseph, with a revelation from God, know this isn't a cute little baby. This is the son of God. Come on, somebody. Right? David's own father didn't have a revelation that his own son would be the king. He just thought, oh, man, he's just a little shepherd boy. But thank God for Samuel, right? Because Samuel had a revelation that when he looked at the same young man, he said, this is the next king of Israel. That's powerful. Looking at the same thing, one has a revelation, uh, has a vision, and then another person has sight. You remember Elisha in the Old Testament? His, him and his servant, they're surrounded by the enemy. Elisha is just like, chill. 
peaceful. And his, his servant is freaking out because his servant is looking at all of the armies that are there. And Elisha says a simple prayer. He says, let him see the unseen today. Lord, open his eyes. And when the servant had a revelation of what God saw, he looked all around and he figured out, wow, there's angels on chariots of horses all around us. So Elisha is in total peace. Why? Elisha knew with the revelation from the Lord that there was more for them that was against them. Come on, somebody. But if you look with mere sight, what you see is just the enemy. But we need a revelation. Can I hear a good amen today? When his eyes were open, he saw the heavenly host. When his eyes were open. See, I wonder if we're so focused on what we can see in the physical that we're blinded to the vision that God has for us. I want to say that again. I wonder if we're so focused on what we see in the physical that we're blinded to the vision that God has for us. God told the children of Israel, I have a promised land for you to enjoy. Your destiny is not to be slaves. Your destiny is to be free people living in the land of milk and honey. But when they got to the promised land, they saw with physical eyes, they saw giants. And 10 spies out of 12, 10 said this, listen, we are grasshoppers, not only in their sight, but in our sight. Listen, this is, this is so important. Here's what they said. We will be eaten up by them. Simple question, but it needs to be asked. Did God call them to a promised land to be eaten up by the giants? Absolutely not. But perspective and revelation is everything. And it's interesting because I, I always thought, why did they say grasshoppers? Because back then and still today, it's a delicatessen. People like to eat grasshoppers. So they were thinking in grasshopper terms that they would be eaten up. But Joshua and Caleb didn't look at the promised land with mere sight. They had a vision of what God had for them. And they had the mentality, the bigger the giants are, the harder they fall. Watch this. It, this is so interesting to me. People looking at the same thing. One says, I'm going to be eaten by them. Joshua and Caleb said, no, they will be food for us. I thought about this, and this sobers me. Because over three million people walked out of their destiny because they didn't have vision. They only had sight. I, I'm not trying to be hard today. I don't want to be hard. But it's in the Bible. When they walked away from the promised land, God didn't change his word for them. They actually all died in the wilderness because they only had physical sight. The ones who possessed the promised land, Joshua and Jacob, they were the only ones. Joshua was the one that said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Think about that. When you have, you want to talk about peer pressure? Three million people, three million people walking away. And for him to put his stake in the ground and saying, listen, nope, if you're not going to get your promised land, I refuse to die in the wilderness. I will go to the land that God has called me to. Guess who went into the promised land? Joshua and Caleb. 
And you know what the Bible says? That Caleb was 80 years old, 80 years old. And he looked at Joshua and he says, you promised me this mountain 40 years ago. They had to walk with 40 years with people who were complaining. And guess what? They kept the vision in front of them. And when Caleb got to the precipice of the promised land, he told Joshua, he said, listen, that is the mountain that you promised me. Give me my mountain. And you know what? Caleb got his mountain. And you know what God did for Caleb? The Bible says that God renewed his strength because he had gone 40 years. The Bible says that when he stood there on the day of his 80th birthday, he had the strength of a 40-year-old. Come on, because God can restore and God can renew. It's, It's amazing if you'll have vision. Can I just tell you today, you're not missing out. If you'll have vision for what God has said, but I wonder what your focus is. I wonder if your focus is everything. Do you know when you go to the doctor, they give you a printout of your diagnosis and you can look at it and you can read it. And listen, you can actually allow that to become your identity. But that's not who God says you are. Can I hear a good amen today? I said, that's not who God says you are. That's who the doctor says you are. But you have to see yourself the way God sees yourself, sees you. For every believer, our vision comes from here not here. Vision matters because we want to see before we believe. This is amazing to me. These two blind men, their revelation of Jesus changed the situation. So this means I must be more focused on the revelation than the situation. Think with me for a minute. How do two blind men follow Jesus into a house if they cannot see? Their belief system had to be so big, they were willing to be led there, but they were not willing to be refused. See, I don't care how you get there, but you need to get there. I want you to picture this for a moment. These men never saw a miracle because they were blind. But how did they get their miracle? They had to be moved by what they believed and the revelation that they had in their heart. Watch this. Because they never saw a miracle. The only thing we can know is that they heard that Jesus does miracles. They didn't have the sight, but they did have the ability to hear. Aren't you glad that the word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? So you may not be able to see today, but can I ask you, can you hear the word? Can you meditate on the word? And their revelation actually guided them right to their miracle. It's powerful. That's why the Bible says, I want to close here. Listen. Looking unto Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Pastor Phil, I need finances. I know. And you can stare at finances your whole life and still not get your miracle. You have to look to Jesus. Pastor Phil, I, I really, I really want to get married. You know, I know. And you can look all around for that boy or that girl, or you can look to Jesus. How many of you know he knows exactly where you are? He knows where you live. He knows where you shop. He knows where you like to go. He knows where you are. 
But oftentimes we have our eyes on the wrong thing. That's why one translation says, Hebrews 12, 2, looking away from all that will distract us to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. Watch this. Giving the first incentive for our belief. And it is also the finisher bringing to maturity and perfection. So who brings our faith to maturity and perfection? Jesus. This is why I believe you have to stop even looking at the size of your faith. I don't have enough faith. Because here's what Hebrews 12, 2 says. If you, if you look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher, one translation says perfecter of your faith. Watch. It doesn't matter how the size of your faith is. If you keep looking at him, he will make your faith perfect. Oh, that's a better revelation than what you did in your response. Come on. If you will look to him, he will make your faith perfect. So what are you looking at? You know, do you remember Peter when he was walking on the water? He saw what they thought was a ghost. The Bible says the winds and the waves were treacherous. Peter gets out and starts walking on the water Because Jesus said, come. Let me say it this way. Peter wasn't walking on the water. Peter was walking on Jesus' word. But, but, But listen, real quick. As he is walking, he's looking at Jesus. Jesus is modeling to him how to walk on water. He's walking because Jesus is walking. So he has the perfect example in Jesus. But yet, the Bible says when he turned, what changed? Did Jesus change? No. His focus changed. So the question becomes, when did Peter start to sink? Peter started to sink when he doubted. How did Peter doubt? Peter doubted when he got distracted. He began to fall when he took his eyes off. Perfect model. Jesus is right there in front of him. It's like watching a YouTube video. Here's how to walk on water. Jesus is walking right to it, modeling it. What an incredible example. And then guess what? He starts to look at the waves that were already there. And in his distraction, he became, he started to doubt. And then he began to sink. And he cried out to Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus reached out his hand. That means, watch, Peter was almost there. And listen, the Bible says he began to drown. I love that because Peter's a smart guy. And he cried out to Jesus. Jesus restores him before he corrects him. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. What does that mean? He wasn't talking about the size of his faith. He was talking about the duration of his faith, that if you would have just stayed persistent, you could have met me and you wouldn't have failed. But you quit. You quit looking where you were supposed to be looking and you looked at the waves and you began to sink. My church family, if we will continue to look at Jesus, we will have the proper vision that we can see the unseen. My church family, listen, He's not finished with you yet. I don't care what you see. It's not bigger than our God. 
That's why every day you need to get up and look at the size of God. When David faced Goliath, oh, he looked big to all the other humans. But guess what? He was small compared to the size of David's God. Can I hear a better amen today? Where are you looking at? Because today God wants to have you see the unseen. And when you focus on Jesus, he will give you the proper vision that you need. Keep your eyes on him. You know, this is easier said than done because there's a lot of distraction in the world. I'm going to say this and I'm going to pray. There's a lot of distraction that could be justified in the world. I know some people in my life that I've looked up to. And you know what? They quit. They quit what they were doing for the Lord. How many of you know when someone you admire just quits, that can be a huge distraction. But what, you're gonna, what I've learned, and maybe this will help you, in 30 years of dealing with church people, and people in general, my eyes are not on people. My eyes have always been on the Lord. Can I hear a good amen? Because people are just as imperfect as I am, but Jesus is perfect. Come on, let's give him a great round of applause this morning. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.